We're in the middle of a sermon series um, called um, Louder Than Words out of the book of James. Uh, you know, the, our church has a reading plan. How many of you been, have made any attempt with the reading plan? Okay, good. That's good. You know, it's not 100%, but you know. Sometime in the <clears throat> fairly recent past, you have read through Romans and also Galatians. And the section we're going to talk about this morning in James gives people a lot of trouble because it looks like it is diametrically opposed to what Paul says. It looks like Paul is saying one thing and James is saying something entirely different. And it gives people a lot of trouble. So I'm going to address that this morning. And what we're going to look at is James stresses works. James is very, very practical. This whole book is about, sometimes called a book of practical Christianity. It's very practical. Not a lot of theology there. And in, in, like in Paul's, in Paul's letters, you typically get the first half is roughly theological, and the last half is practical. James is just practical, right down the line. <clears throat> Paul says, particularly in, in Romans and Galatians, that... Salvation is by faith alone without works. That's one of the hallmarks of the Christian faith. But here in this section, James stresses works and says, specifically says, you are justified by your works. Paul says you are justified by your faith without works. Does anybody see a problem there? Both of them, interestingly, use Abraham as an example. Paul says Abraham was justified by his faith. James says Abraham was justified by his works. Now, if there is truly a conflict between these two men, we've got a problem. Because we don't know what Christianity is then. We don't know how to get saved. We don't know what God expects from us. So who is James? Most people know Paul. Paul was a trained Jewish rabbi, a persecutor of the church, a Pharisee of Pharisees, zealous for the law, and God had to get his attention by literally smack up alongside of the head. But who is James? That's been touched on a little bit in previous weeks. James was Jesus' brother, half-brother. Did not believe in Jesus and did not think Jesus was the Messiah until after the resurrection. And it says specifically that Jesus appeared to James, specifically to James. James became the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Not Peter, not Paul, James. He became known as James the Just. He was an outstanding leader, an outstanding godly man. He's known for his piety and his prayer. He became known as the camel because his knees got big calluses on them from kneeling in prayer for so long. He looked like a camel. That's this James. This highly respected leader. When there was a big conflict in the early church about the rule of, of um, 
the Jewish law. And did you have to become Jewish to be saved? And there was this big meeting in Jerusalem. It's in, it's in Acts 15. Peter's there. Paul's there. The rest of the apostles are there. The whole room's full of these high-level Jewish leaders and apostles. And when it's all done and all the arguing's said and done, who stands up to make the final declaration? James. This James. This James. You think you might have something we need to hear? Think you might have some interesting insights? This book has been saved because it's so good. It's universal. It addresses practical Christian problems that everybody goes through. But if there's a conflict between James and Paul, we've got a problem. So I need to address this, that issue first, before we go on and look at what James actually says, because this trips a lot of people up. They just kind of read it and they go, well, Peter thought this, James thought this, Paul thought this, and I don't know what to believe, so I just, you know. Who do we trust? We have two very high-level leaders in the early church. Is there a conflict? How do we interpret what they said? Now, those of you who have taken any of my classes, what's the first rule of biblical interpretation? Context. 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 Look at the context. You don't look at an isolated verse. You don't look at an isolated verse in James. You don't look at an isolated verse in, in Paul's writings. You read context. What we find, if we look, is that Paul is talking about what it takes to, what we would say, get saved. How do you become righteous? How do you become part of God's kingdom? James is talking about living that faith out. James is talking about what do you do and how do you live once you are already saved? What does that look like? That's what this whole book is. They're talking about two different things. They're addressing two different issues. Paul is talking about not relying on the works of the law. Any works, actually, but particularly the works of the Jewish law. He said, you can't earn it. That's what Paul's addressing. You cannot earn it. You come by faith, period. You come by trusting God, period. End of story. Without works. James is looking at, what does it look like once you're already there? So Paul's addressing those who think they can earn their salvation by good works. James is addressing those whose faith is in word only. They're addressing two different issues. James is addressing a shallow faith, which as we'll see, says is not really faith at all. So James is more practical. Paul's more theological. James is more focused on living it out. Paul is more focused on the actual salvation event. Paul's looking at the beginning of the Christian life. James is looking at the continuation of the Christian life. Or you could look at it, Paul is looking at saving faith, and James is looking at living faith. So when you look at the context, when you don't just look at the individual verse, what they say about Abraham, you look at the context, you realize these are two, this is two sides of the same coin. There is no conflict. But you have to get past pulling these individual verses out of context and look at their bigger arguments. So there is no problem. There is no problem. There is no conflict. James absolutely would say you need to have, you need to come to God with faith alone. And Paul would certainly, and matter of fact, he actually does say in in a couple of his letters that your faith needs to be followed with works. Works will flow out of it. So it's two sides of the same coin. 
There is no conflict between these two. So if anybody's been struggling with that, we can lay that one aside and look at what James is, you know, is dealing with in this section. James' focus in this section, this is, um, can we get the... Okay, this is, this is the second chapter of James, starting in verse 14, runs through 25. James, unlike Paul, isn't building an argument through this whole work. It's individual ideas. If you've read James, it kind of jumps around a lot. You can't, can't get a feel for where he's going with those. He's not going anywhere. It's, it sounds more like Proverbs. It feels more like Proverbs or the Sermon on the Mount. These individual little uh, um, isolated sections. This is a section about faith and works. Three times in this section, James says, faith without works is dead. That's the whole focus. That's everything he's talking about. He gives an example using compassion. Then he uses an argument. It was, it was a rhetorical device used in ancient rhetoric. An argument with an imaginary opponent. Well, you say this while I say this. And then he uses a couple examples from the Old Testament. to true, all, all of them to point at this. Faith without works is dead. Remember, James is very, very practical. He's not focused on, he's not saying it's not important, but he's not focused on what you believe or what you claim you believe. It's what are you doing? How are you living? What difference does this make in your life? So let's look at, the, at this text. This is out of the NIV. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. And one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is that? In the same way, faith by itself, it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without the deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that, and they shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. First illustration is compassion. Somebody's in need. We would think of, you know, uh, somebody down and out, sitting on the street, you know. Obviously, you know, they don't have food, they've got kids or whatever, you know. What do you do? Well, if you're really filled with compassion, what do you do? This, 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 I, I want feedback. I'm, I'm viewing this as a class. Okay, time out. Get everybody on the same page. I'm viewing this like a class. I like feedback. I'm not really a lecturer lecture kind of model. If I ask a question, I'm actually wanting some feedback. If you have compassion on somebody, what do you do? 
You do something. You meet the need. But look what, look what this person in his illustration does. They recognize that there's a need there. Oh, look at that poor person. Oh, they have almost no clothing, and they're obviously very hungry, and I think I'll do something about it. Go in peace, keep warm, and be well-fed. What good did that do? The person sitting there is going, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> That's it? Is that compassion? It looks like compassion. It looks like they're compassionate. Oh, they recognize there's a need. But recognizing the need and even saying something about it, is that compassion? Not really. Why? Because compassion would actually do something in this situation. He's using that as an illustration. He's actually like a little miniature parable. And faith is like this. Faith can't be just talk. Remember, James is very, very practical. Faith is not talk. Is there any true compassion in this picture? None. James would agree with Elvis. A little less talk, a little more action. <laughs> that dawned on me this morning. I thought, my gosh, I had no idea Elvis had that much going on. Compassion without corresponding action is dead. It's empty. It's worthless. It doesn't work. That's what James is saying. This doesn't work. Remember, he's practical. What works? And he changes his attack a little bit. He tries a different approach. This is the beginning of the section about the... Um, he has a conversation Someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. James says to him, okay, show me your faith apart from any deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. What's he saying? You've got nothing. How do you prove your faith? How do you show your faith? Look at what this person's faith is. You believe that there is one God. Okay? Is that wrong? No. That's the foundational statement. Now remember, James is Jewish. This is the foundational statement, what's called the Shema out of the Hebrews, the great statement of, the foundational statement of faith for the Jews. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. That's what this guy's saying. Well, I believe that. Therefore, I'm a Christian. James says, you believe there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that. This is dripping with sarcasm. What kind of faith is this that's being claimed? It's an abstract theological concept. Very broad, very general. It's right, it's true. But it has nothing to do with your living faith. James flags that. He goes, that's it? That's it? That's all you've got? That's your faith? You think that makes you a Christian? Your definition of Christianity doesn't exclude demons. There's a story told about a college professor in a biology class calling on one of the students 
He says, whatever. John, give me a definition of mammal. Define mammal. And the student's like, um, uh, well, it um, has hair. Um, uh, uh, gives milk. He's hemming and hawing and fumbling around. The professor finally goes, son, your definition of mammal doesn't exclude a coconut. <laughs> that's, what, that's what's going on here. Way too broad, way too general, almost worthless. James is not impressed with this type of faith, this abstract theological concept, this intellectual assent kind of faith. He wants to see some evidence. He wants to see some evidence of a dynamic living faith and trust in God. And what evidence would he be looking for? You know, this sermon series is louder than words. That's an abbreviation of what? It's a, it's a well-known saying in our culture. Actions speak louder than words. James wants to see some action. See, lots of people, apparently this, this hypothetical person, they think of themselves as Christians. And they would claim to be Christians. But their lives, their works... That's the kind of works James is talking about. Their works speak otherwise. He says, show me your faith apart from works. That's not even possible. Things of the heart are invisible. Anything that's going on in the heart is invisible. The only way you can figure out what's going on inside the person is how they act. You see that. He says, okay, fine. Show me your faith without works. It can't be done. The only way you know faith, the only way you know love, the only way you know compassion is what is done. The action that comes out of it that represents what's going on on the inside. He says, you can't do it. These beliefs are invisible. They are revealed by the actions. They're revealed by the works of faith. That they produce. Now, jump down here. He uses two uh, examples out of the Old Testament. How do we know that Abraham trusted God? Did he say that? He did something that showed that he believed. His outward actions showed the inner condition of his heart. What did Rahab? Some of you may not be familiar with the story about Rahab, and we don't have time to go into that. But this is another Old Testament story. She did something with what she believed about God. Her, her faith was shown by her actions. Her actions aren't faith. They're the result of faith. For James, a dynamic faith and trust in God and the works that that faith produces, it's a package deal. You don't get one or the other. It's both. It's not an either or. It's a both end. True faith will Produce evidence. Faith and trust produces actions, works, and those works are an evidence of that faith. That's how you know the faith. Now, I want to take an example that illustrates this same issue and try to make this, make, try to 
uh, make it a little more accessible. I've asked, I've got a couple volunteers, if you'd come up here. I'm going to give you an example, something we'd be very familiar with, love. I asked them, asked them, just come up here, right here. I'm not going to hurt you. <laughs> when, when I asked, I said, would you, would you, um, you know, would, would you help me out with something? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> All right, Bill and Elisa. Now, they're married, but I want you to think of them as though they're not married. Okay, they're dating, they're, you know, they're courting, whatever. Okay, if you ask Bill, Bill says that he loves Elisa. But we pay attention, we pay attention, we start watching. Start watching, yeah, good, good. (laughs) Couple points there, picks up a couple points. But we start watching and we, we notice that he doesn't really spend much time with her. <laughs> he rarely calls her. He doesn't take her out on dates very much. <laughs> he doesn't buy her presents. He doesn't give her flowers or boxes of candy, all the usual stuff. There's, there's no displays of affection. This is hypothetical. Okay. This is not supposed to be a commentary on their actual relationship. If it is, that's their own problem. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to, to um, hang them out here in front of you. We don't see any displays of affection. He doesn't hold her hand. He doesn't put his arm around her. He doesn't hug her, kiss her, whatever. He's not particularly kind to her. Sometimes he's even kind of harsh. He doesn't sit with her at church. And this is the real telling thing. The pet name. She calls him Snugaboo. <laughs> but he calls her Elisa or hey you. Now, he says that he loves Elisa. Okay? You're a jury. I just gave you some evidence. He says he loves Elisa, but you heard how he acts. Does he love her or not love her? See a lot of thumbs down. Why? He says he loves her. But actions speak louder than words. His behavior is speaking with its own voice. It doesn't matter what he says. It doesn't matter if he actually believes that he loves her. All the evidence points in a different direction. If he really loved her, works of love, let's call them works of love, would naturally flow out of him. You don't have to do it. You don't have to make yourself do it. You want to be with the person. You want to show affection. You want to spend time with them. You want to bless them. It's a natural outcropping of Real love. And if you don't see those things, what's that probably an evidence of? That there's no real love. Okay, thank you. Uh, Hey, Bill, if that created long-term problems, my wife's a marriage counselor. So (laughs) we'll, 
We got it covered. Do you see how this ties in with what James is saying? Faith without works is lifeless, is dead. Love, anything you love, you can call it what you want. Love without corresponding works is lifeless, is empty, is dead. That's what James is saying here. Let me give you another example. I'm actually a little bit embarrassed about this. A number of years ago, I used to read advice columns. Dear Abby, I got set free of that eventually, but a woman wrote in one time, she was upset because her husband hardly ever told her, I love you. Now she went on and described her husband. He was faithful. He was a good provider. He was affectionate. He took care of the home and the, and the property. He buys her presents. He's thoughtful. But he didn't say, I love you very often. And that really upset her. It was really eating at her. Another woman wrote in and responded to her letter later. And the woman said, honey, you need to count your blessings. My husband frequently, very frequently says, I love you. Now, he's had several affairs. He drinks up all the money. He doesn't take care of the house or the yard. He's selfish. He's mean to me. But he says, I love you frequently. Which one of these two women is loved by her husband? Why? How do we know? Actions speak louder than words. It doesn't matter what you say. He says he loves her. Everything points the opposite direction. Nope, sorry you don't. Actions don't lie. They speak with their own voice. Louder than words. We've got several versions of that in our culture. Put your money where your mouth is. Talk is cheap. Put up or shut up. Walk the talk. There's probably more. Those are just a handful that popped into my head. This is what James is talking about. This is practical. What are you doing? What are you doing? And what does that show about what's in heart? What does the visible tell you about the invisible? Talk doesn't get it. Doesn't get the job done. Talk doesn't work. When it comes to compassion, like in this example, talk doesn't work. When it comes to love, talk doesn't work. When it comes to faith, and this is the whole point James is making, talk doesn't work. It doesn't work. Without corresponding works, compassion is dead. Without corresponding works, love is dead. Without corresponding works, faith is dead. James has proved his point. Faith without works doesn't work. Now, this was written a long time ago, but it was saved because of who James was and how valuable his insights are here. This speaks to Christians all over the world over 2,000 years in every culture because these are matters of how do you live it? 
How do you live it? James' insights are universal. His concerns are universal. So we have to ask the question. Again, we're going to play James here. So, what effect does this have? What good does it accomplish? Is this just an interesting theological point to have floating around in your head, or does this make any difference in your life? What is he saying to us? What is he saying to us? What's he saying to you? You know, if you don't see any works of faith, you don't see any evidence of trust in God, there probably isn't any real faith. There probably isn't any real trust in God. And it doesn't matter what you say. And it doesn't matter what you think about yourself. The evidence in your life may point a different direction, and you need to think seriously about that. The stakes are really high on this. You may be wrong. You may be blind. You may think that you're okay, and you're not okay. The Apostle Paul says, we need to examine ourselves to see if we are truly in the faith. Truly a Christian. You may think you're a Christian. You may think you're a Christian. Is there any evidence of that? You know, the old, if you were accused of being a Christian, would they be able to convict you? Is there any evidence in your life of a living, dynamic faith and trust in Jesus? Examine yourselves. Are you one of God's people? Do you consider yourself one of God's people? Are you part of the kingdom of God? Are you saved? Why do you think that? Because you're here this morning? Because you put some money in the basket? Say, well, I believe in God. What does James say about that? Yeah, you and the demons. It's got to be more than that. You haven't excluded the demons. Well, I believe in Jesus. You and the demons. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You and the demons. They don't have any confusion about that point. I believe that the Bible is true. You and the demons. You see a pattern here? What would James say? That's it? That's it? That's all you got? What else have you got? Show me your faith. By your works. What have you got. That would prove it to James. That would impress James. You're here this morning. I don't think so. You memorized a portion of the Bible. I don't think so. Serving others would be a. Now atheists serve others. That's not, that's not, this, this could get really complicated. <laughs> so I don't, I don't want to turn this into a, you know, let's make a long list. For those of you who are inclined to be challenged, I want you to take out a pen and turn over one of the, one of the handouts, find a, find a little space there somewhere. Can you write down 
three. Three, it's not just three, only three. Can you write down three works in your life that are evidence of a dynamic faith and trust in Jesus? Only three. And if you can't, what does lack of evidence suggest? That you don't have a living faith and trust in Jesus. You're kidding yourself. Paul says, examine yourself to make sure that you are truly in the faith. That's what this is. The stakes are very high on this. You don't want to miss this. What evidence could you show James that you have a faith and trust in Jesus? If you can't think of three things, only, if you can't think of only three things, I, you might have a problem. To quote James, can such a faith, can such a faith save you? The implied answer is no. It's not alive. You know, you can change that. Today. You can change that now. I'd like the worship team to come up. I'd like the prayer team to be prepared. You can lay down your empty faith. What passes is faith. You can lay it down today. And adopt a dynamic living trust in Jesus. And James would be impressed. So you roll that around in your head a little bit. Maybe you take that home with you. But that's the message of James to us today. Faith without works is dead. Where are you 